You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Monday the 3rd of July, start of a brand new week, and one which will culminate in the Coral Eclipse at Sandown Park, one of the great midsummer showpiece events. And it looks at the moment as though we're in for a humdinger of a clash between Emily Upjohn, who will be ridden by William Buick, with Frankie Dettori on the sidelines with suspension, and Paddington, the star three-year-old trained by Aidan O'Brien, who has been winning over a mile in the St. James's Palace Stakes at Ascot and in the Irish 2000 guineas. I'll be hearing from the trainer in a few moments' time because his other star three-year-old got the job done after a fashion in the Dubai Duty Free Irish Derby at the Curra yesterday. August Rodan became the first dual derby winner since Harzand in 2016. It wasn't a surprise to anyone that Aidan O'Brien got his 100th European Classic and Ryan Moore won his first Irish Derby and that August Rodan won. What was a surprise, perhaps, was the rather unspectacular manner of his victory in a race that was marred by the fatal accident to his stable companion San Antonio and the injury to Wayne Lorden. Incidentally, the news on Wayne Lorden is that he is still being assessed in Tala Hospital uh, overnight and that he had a, a concussion and that an arm injury is is also being, being looked at. Unconfirmed reports that there was a fracture to that arm, but it was... I think quite a nasty wound. So we wish you well, Wayne. As Jane Mangan, RTE and Racing TV broadcaster, joins me. As I said, Jane, no surprise that August Rodin won, but it's um, it's got everybody thinking a little bit. What did you make of it all? Well, we have to begin with, it was an anticlimactic affair. The uh, demise of San Antonio coming down the hill in you know, horrible circumstances. Uh, thoughts with Wayne Lorden in particular, who got a heavy fall off him. And um, and Connections obviously had the winning horse, but it certainly was a damp cloud over the eventual result, uh, the demise of San Antonio. The, he did impede White Birch and Spreewell in that incident, but I did feel that White Birch's um, writing was on the wall. He didn't look like that was a going day. It didn't look like he was traveling with the same fluency of what we saw at Leopardstown and Epsom, and perhaps he just wasn't uh, on song on that occasion. After being pony to the start and connections doing everything right, he was a little bit reluctant to load. But overall, he had behaved himself quite well in comparison to the preliminaries at Epsom. And Spreewell didn't look like he was a danger either because the pace was slow. And I thought he would be sitting a little bit closer to Ryan if Shane Foley was comfortable to do that. And he wasn't. Uh, I don't think Shane Foley could get any closer at any stage of the race before the incident happened anyway. I mentioned the pace was slow. Adelaide River was the horse setting that pace under Shamie Heffernan, the only rider before the race to have actually won the race. He was seeking a fifth win in the race and two down. It looked like he might get that fifth. Uh, August Rodan had to dig in, but post-race people were saying, Ryan was saying, and, and Aidan O'Brien, that he'd have preferred a stronger pace. Well, Ballydoyle were in control of that pace. Um, and I do think the horse crosses the line with his ears pricked and plenty in reserve, but it was a bit of a scramble. It was a messy affair. In my heart and soul, I think that the three horses who ran at Epsom, Spreewell, White Birch and August Rodan, I think they all underperformed on the day. But the difference is a good horse gets the job done and August Rodan, while it mightn't have been pretty, is now a dual derby winner. 
And we need to deal with the elephant in the room. There was plenty of speculation afterwards as to how close Adelaide River might have pushed August Roda with a bit more vigour from two out to the furlong pole. What was your view on that? Um, I can understand why people would think that, but I'd say Shamie Heffernan was getting his horse rolling. Uh, he's out of a, a mile winner by Australia. He probably went slow to suit himself and to try and nick it from the front in the straight, which it looked for a while that he nearly did. Uh, as I said, I think August Rodan, while it looked like two down, it might be a bit uh, of a worry. He gets there and he pricks his ears. So I'd say Ryan wasn't wanting to hit the front uh, too soon as he did. Like he, he played his cards really late at Epsom. He probably wanted to play his cards good and late at the Curra. But when you look at the prices from the second and third horse, 33 to 1, 150 to 1, uh, I wouldn't have thought Convent Garden was up to being third in a, in a derby. So what I would say is it's disappointing that maybe uh, a UK Raider or a French Raider didn't come over because they could potentially have won the Irish Derby because I'd say, as it turned out, it probably wasn't the strongest renewal of the race. Yes, he becomes the 19th horse to do the Derby double. He becomes Aidan's 15th since Desert King in 97 to win the Irish Derby. But as I said, after the demise of San Antonio, there was a certain lull around the Curra. All right, Jane, I had a, a chance a few moments ago for a very quick reflection with Aidan O'Brien between lots at Bally Doyle. Uh, this was his assessment, having had a bit of time to, to think about yesterday. I uh, know we were uh, happy uh, with the race. Um, obviously, they went to nice, even pace, I think. Um, obviously, uh, Augustus would have been able to cope with a str- much stronger pace, um, but the pace was nice and even. Um, and uh, Ryan was tracking the two lads down into the straight and obviously then when um, the unfortunate incident happened uh, coming down um, Wayne had to, uh, Ryan had to make a quick decision and he had to move quick uh, in case uh, Ryan's or uh, in case uh, Wayne's horse fell in on top of him so he was just slightly towards the inside and then he, he, he had to move very quickly and when he did uh, he obviously was there much earlier than he would have really wanted to be um, but that was the, the way it was um, and obviously when he got there uh, then he, he he never he is never a horse that does much when he gets there anyway and uh, we thought that the second horse had improved plenty from Epson and we all we thought that he would be a much better horse at the Curran and that's the way it looks um, he, he, he obviously stepped up a lot on, on, on Epson and uh, and like I said, uh, Ryan just felt that he had to move early and got there earlier than he would have liked. And um, uh, that was it. Uh, but he, he came in and he wasn't blowing much. And he, he just, uh, he was kind of only in cruise control of the straight, really. So um, I suppose with reflection, looking ahead, you'd be much happier. Um, you know, the, the pace wasn't as slow as we initially thought. But uh, he is he is able to go at a much stronger pace if you want him to, if, if you know what I mean, if that makes sense. Yep, it, it, it makes perfect sense. What are you inclined to do with him now? I'm not sure. The lads will decide what they want to do with him. Um, obviously, he would have an option of going to the King George, um, but we'll have to get him back in a week or 10 days and then see how he is and see how happy everyone is with him. Um, and uh, if he didn't do that, he would probably have a break and uh, come back for either the Irish champion or the uh, Judmont or something like that. Um, but there is possi- there is a possibility that he could do both. Um, so we, I suppose, just see how he is, I think. Okay. Uh, Aidan, I was going to ask you about this weekend and whether you were going to give Paddington a run in the Coral Eclipse or, or wait for something else. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's very possible. Uh, we're going to do a little bit with him uh, tomorrow or Wednesday, and just to see. But it, it is very possible that he could go to the Eclipse. Uh, Nicky seems very well. Um, yes, Andrew is happy with him, and Adrian rides him every day, and, and Seamus rides him work. They all seem very happy with him, but uh, we'll probably decide Tuesday, Wednesday, but it is possible, uh, Nick, yes. And finally, Aidan, what is it about him that makes you think yeah, he could go. He could go ten now and take on the older horses, rather than rather than that sort of very straightforward mile campaign. Well, he, he can. Like we, we. I suppose we've seen what he can do over a mile, and uh, and uh, he seems to be progressing. Um, and I think his pedigree always suggested that he should have no problem going further. Uh, he came out of Ascot very well, and uh, like he can, he can go to the Eclipse, and he still could go back to Goodwood, uh, which we have done before. So, um, yeah, so listen, we're just leaving the option open there for him at the moment, Nick. Aidan O'Brien, fresh from training, his 100th Classic winner at the Curry Essay with August Rodin. I'll come to Paddington and the Eclipse in just a sec, Jane. First of all, how how successful was Irish Derby weekend from a from a commercial point of view? So, yeah, look, it, 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 was, it was a fantastic weekend. I have some attendance figures from the CEO, Brian Kavanagh. He... Um, he was very much, I'd say, on the ground. Everybody was pleased with the atmosphere that was there, despite the gale force wind that absolutely nobody could do anything about. The attendance figure was up 25% this wow. weekend compared to that of last year. And you could really feel it. Um, there was 23,653 people made their way through the turnstiles. Just over 5,500 of those on the Friday, uh, 7,200 on the Saturday, and uh, just short of 11,000 on the Sunday. So attendance figures up tick in spite of the the pretty pretty trying weather really uh, wind which never relented whirlpool was encouraging as well 25.8 million euros was record turnover for an irish race day uh, on whirlpool not massively surprising given the the plethora of big field handicaps that there were yesterday uh, in addition to an irish derby that had enough runners to get whirlpool exotic interest uh, stirred. Via Sistina won the other group one over the weekend, the Pretty Polly Stakes for British trainer George Bowie for Becky and Steve Hill and the owners who'd picked this horse up for a song as a yearling and for jockey Jamie Spencer who was winning his second group one in the space of a week after Cardem at 80-1 to one in the Queen Elizabeth II at Ascot. This time Spencer was riding a favourite. He also got a six-day ban for allowing Via Sistinas to drift across the track into the path of first Ross Carberry and then the runner-up, Stay Alert, who also ran a very good race, completing a 1-2 for the visitors, Jane. How good is Via Sistina? She's a lot better than I gave her credit for coming in here. I just didn't know what the Dahlia stacked up to, and when she didn't come off the bridle, nobody could ever really measure her level of talent under the bonnet. Um, when she came off the bridle here, she was always leaning to her right. Even when she turned into the straight off the bend down the hill, I'd say she was probably feeling the ground. And to be fair to Jamie Spencer, he always had a tight hold of his left rein and he'd stick in his right hand. There's not actually a lot he could have done about the interference. Barr put down the stick and really wrestle her. But she was well on top of the line. She absolutely blew Ross Carby out of it. I felt for her connections. She mightn't have won anyway, but she had no chance. She barely stayed on her feet, lucky to stay on her feet in that incident and stay alert. I'd say Ronan Whelan was cursing the interference because he was finishing with quite a rackle. I don't think he'd have won, but he'd have gone a lot closer. Uh, how good is she? I'd say she's good enough to take on the Colts. I wouldn't just be worried about staying in a Nassau uh, at Goodwood. I'd love to see her in something like the Judmont and take on the Colts and see 
what she can really do. I'd say with an ease in the ground, she'll be even better. And she won with plenty up her sleeve. They planned to sit closer to the pace. Apparently, the plan was to sit behind above the curve, which was in the first three. She ended up sitting second last. Now, to be fair, stay alert, sat last. And they both finished first and second. So perhaps that was the place to be. But all weekend, it was a speed favouring track. And these two came from off the pace and they put the Irish in their place. A couple of very important winners of two-year-old races, I thought, early doors on, on Saturday. Matrika winning the Airline Sud Stakes. It was a very unsatisfactory race. There was seven runners and they split into two groups around a mile apart from each other and the wide home straight of the Curra. You could barely see who's in front at any stage. She was probably in front most of the way and she got the job done for Philly, turning around eight days after the Albany. Yes, it had to be impressive, but I think it also gives a tip of the hat to Porta Fortuna. Uh, you, I heard, were particularly impressed with City of Troy. Of the maiden winners, I actually felt that Lang Lang on Friday evening, the Philly, the, the, the Frankel out of Shambolic on debut, I was most impressed with her. I thought she could be a real Moigler type and there's yeah. been quotes for Oaks and Classics next year. But before we get ahead of ourselves, I'd love to see her in something like the debutante next time. But I believe you were very impressed with City of Troy. Okay, should we have a little side bet as to who wins a group one first between Ylang Ylang and City of Troy? I'm happy to take that, yes. I thought he was really good. He's out of a Group 1 winner. He's from a multiple Group 1 winning family. Uh, he's got a real bit of presence about him, a bit of strength. He really saw the trip out incredibly well. Ryan Moore had a job pulling him up. And he'll do for me, Jane. You know who else would do for me is Buccaneer Fuerto. Uh, oh, I, he's good. He, he was... It looked like from the side on angle that, that Unquestionable had headed him and he fought back. But we actually had drone footage on RTE and he never really got by him. But the two of them really pulled, like they, they showed really good guts and determination. His Majesty brought in a nice level of form. He was fourth in the Norfolk. So he's no, uh, by any means, he's he's no, um, he's got a good solid level of ability. And these two started to pull clear of him. Ryan Moore taking, uh, uh, sorry, Ryan Moore opting to ride unquestionable a maiden winner ahead of horses with Ascot form was a real vote of confidence for him. But Ross Ryan having won for Ammo Racing at Ascot would have really got a lot of satisfaction out of the ride he gave this horse because he was upside Ryan Moore on the biggest stage and he looked like he belonged there. That horse is very tough and I'd say Adrian Murray and Robson Aguar, Kia Jurabshan, they can all start to think big now because this guy is tough and talented. And a second group race within the week for Ross Ryan riding in the silks of his old boss, Keir Jurabchin. It's his birthday today. He turns 23. So that'll just tell you he's still a very young guy. He's ultra talented. He's obviously got a very good head on his shoulders because it's not even a year to the day that he got, you know, set the narrative and got out ahead of um, the departure between himself and his old boss. And the fact that he didn't burn any bridges is really standing him in good stead now. Yeah, you talk about him just turning 23. I'm afraid a man who has had to call time on his career at just 21 is Shane Cross, multiple Group 1 winning rider, superb in the Prince of Wales' stakes for a, for a young rider on State of Rest last year, making all the seniors dance to his tune. And uh, he has, I'm afraid, had to give up the struggle uh, with, the, with the scales. He was just getting too heavy. I spoke to him a little earlier on, and uh, and this is what he had to say. It, it's It's been great, but I think just the reality is long term um, it, it, it's very tough to keep it going but uh, I've had a ball and uh, yeah it's just unfortunate at the time it, it, 
it's been tough. Um, a lot of a lot of hard work has gone into it. Obviously, um, you know, it's it, it's what I wanted to do, and it's still what I wanted to do. But um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm disappointed in a way. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's any much more I could do. Um, but yeah, I, I've worked. I've worked very hard on it the last, well, even the last two years, but especially in the last two months or so. And uh, yeah, I think you know, nature is just is has just won, unfortunately. Because you are not, you're not a small guy, and it it, it was always going to be tricky. Were you quite aware from a fairly early stage that you kind of needed to get your skates on because this might not last for that long? Um, in a way, in a way, and I, I'd be lying if I said that. You know, I. I thought I was, I wouldn't be able to do it. You know, I always seem to manage it, and and you know, would say I, I I have been struggling in the last two years, but it, it never actually came to mind that I might have to you know move on. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's just recently when you know you're knocking off the guts of a half a stone every day isn't probably going to work for the rest of your life. <laughs> no, it's not good for you in in any sense. I, I... How important is it for you, though, in terms of keeping your mind uh, okay? How important has it been to have Joseph O'Brien alongside you, uh, given you know the empathy which he would clearly have for a situation like this, having done it himself for so long? Exactly, absolutely huge. Um, Joseph has been has been nothing but great, and and everyone around me, literally, um, no, but like especially Joseph. If, if, if anyone knows, he knows exactly what what it takes to you know to turn up to the races every day and uh, no he's been absolutely brilliant and uh, you know I'll be forever grateful for the opportunities and and the job I've had there you know the last five to six years so um, yeah no he's, he's just been amazing. I mean you've ticked off a lot of notable career milestones that it takes a lot of people 20 years to do to anyway in, in some respects um, what what do you think would 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 the highlight be? Um, you, you probably have to say Ascot last year, you know, with yeah. the Prince of Wales, um, just an absolutely one in a million day. Um, but you know, even riding out your claim and, and and just working working my way up the ladder as far as far as I could get. But yeah, just getting to sit on, you know, to get to get to sit on top class horses every day, even at home and when they get to the races. Most 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 jockeys do dream of, of finding one and. I, I I was so lucky to find a few of them at the time. So um, yeah, no, it was, it was it was brilliant. So what's the what's the plan? Um, I'd be lying if 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 I if I told you one, Nick. Um, I I I've actually got no idea. So I, I'm just going to just take a bit of time. Um, I'm still obviously I work in Joseph's there six days a week. So I will just slowly keep doing that and I'm sure something will come to mind just take a bit of time out of the game for a while and hopefully something pops up what it is I don't know but um, hopefully hopefully something will and you've got good people around you yeah loads um, the best in the business so yeah they've, they've, they've been great you know you've got say my family my mum and dad brother Nathan who, who rides mm-hmm. and uh, the likes of Joseph Brendan Powell um, is down there he's been brilliant um, but just a lot of good guys, yeah. Uh, all the very best to to Shane Cross, Jane. He was a, a, a very, very fine rider in a very brief career. He was. Do you know, he, he was actually 
naturally uh, naturally gifted Shane and I use that um, quite sparingly in that when you think about a guy who was 19 years of age in a country as competitive as Ireland and he had basically the stable jockey job for Joseph O'Brien one of the top yards in the country at the age of 19 that's how good he was from a very early age and for a tall guy he was able to really get himself down low tight compact and stylish he was very balanced for a tall guy um for joseph to trust him with horses like state of rest in the Ghana and the prince of wales pretty gorgeous winning the phillies mile thundering knights winning the pretty polly he was supposed to ride galileo chrome in the saint ledger which just but for a positive COVID nineteen test, there was a he was he was entrusted at a very young age with some very big responsible rides, and um, it's it's disappointing, and it's not the first time, and it won't be the last. Shane uh, Shane is just following on from Joseph and Dunica themselves. I remember Connor King, a dual champion apprentice, having to succumb to the same thing, and guys are getting taller. The weights are in Ireland are actually more generous than if you're going to North America or parts of the Middle East or even Australasia. So, you know, it's, uh, there's just what, there's something you can't help. And when it starts to impede your health, that's when you know the game is up. Also bowing out over the weekend, Jane, but at the other end of his career, uh, after a, a pretty glittering one as well, Martin Dwyer, um, winner of the Derby, winner of the Oaks, winner of the Coronation Cup, for sometimes second jockey to shake Hamden Almack to him. He's, he's done pretty much everything, began his career with Ian, then, then Andrew Balding, and he's had to give up the unequal struggle with a with a knee injury. He appeared on my Sunday show yesterday and was uh, visibly, I thought, quite quite emotional. Um, uh, but again, I, I think he was left with little choice. No, uh, he's been fighting this for a long time. Martin is obviously a good friend of ours at Racing TV and a, a very good, um, just a great character. But he was. For me, when I was when I was looking back through his CV, uh, just remember that day at Epsom with Sir Percy. You remember a casual look in the Oaks and and then winning the Carnation Cup. So he's the the trifecta of of Epsom wins. Uh, a really nice guy, but unfortunately, when it's not your decision, when an injury is such that that decision is taken out of your hands, it's very hard to come to terms with it. Particularly when you have a Group One horse to ride waiting for you and you can't get back on him in pile driver. Um, so I can understand why it's been very, very frustrating, but he's got plenty of cards on his deck for the future and hopefully he plays them right. Um, personally, I think the favourite horse that I re- will remember him for is actually Persian Punch because he was that horse that hung around for a long time and that the fans could build up a relationship with. And that's the one that I, as a youngster, I remember that big, huge, ginormous Persian Punch. I used to tune into him every day. Also on yesterday's uh, Luck on Sunday season finale, incidentally, was Dara O'Loughlin, the uh, chief executive of the Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Board. Uh, you interviewed him on RTE on Saturday as well. And Lydia and Tom gave you a chapter and verse on this on Friday. So I don't really want to go through it all again. But what did you make of his performance over the two shows? Yeah, I, I think credit to Dara for coming on both shows. I thought he instilled a lot of confidence as he is the captain of the ship um, and he is looks like a very steady hand. He was asked some very tricky questions, as I'm sure he was expecting to be asked, and he was unwavering in his response. Yes, there was a there was very limited uh, detail he could give us on the um, grave concern issue that he identified last week of course that's under investigation now so he couldn't say an awful lot on it but we were skirting around to try and get a little bit more information on it um and of course the pack hearing last week 
um, he he was able to give a little bit of information on that. I asked the question uh, whether the former interim CEO should have been present with him on the day in the hearing. He said that, you know, the legislation is there for the current CEO to be in the hearing and, and uh, for him to take that responsibility. Personally, I felt that um, the former CEO might have been an asset to him and might be a, 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 have been a benefit to him to have been there considering that a lot of these issues and that particular issue with Dennis Hearing's payment uh, predates his time at the IHRB. But overall, I think um, listening to the people on the ground, listening to people here at home who tuned into the interview, they seem to have a lot of confidence in this guy that if there is issues to be found that he will get through it and uh, and do it in a timely fashion. This investigation seems to be what we are told fast tracked that it'll be done in as quick a manner and as thorough a manner as it can be. But um, there's no doubt about it. There is concern as to what it is. Seemingly, if it is of grave concern, I asked him about the use of the words grave concern and the magnitude uh, that. The, those words bring the headlines that they have garnered subsequently inside and outside of the sport. Um, but it seems that he felt those words were appropriate. Time will tell. Well, while we were enjoying ourselves at the Curra, Richard Hughes and his team were enjoying themselves at Newcastle because they won the big race in the UK over the weekend, the Northumberland Plate, with Calling the Wind. And it wasn't Richard before time either, was it? Because he'd run some cracking races in top company. You must have been thrilled. I was, yeah, over the moon. Um, as you know, I didn't go. Um, the owner wasn't going, and I thought, oh, he'll run really well, he'll be placed, but <laughs> as the normal, he normally finds one to beat him. So if ever a horse deserves a good one, it was him, because it's not like he's running in six furlong races. He's running in mile and a half, two and a half mile races. You know, and they take their toll. So it's a credit to the horse that he bounced back after Ascot to go and win a two-mile race after running two and a half mile around Ascot. And an old, an old ally of yours, an old Wangram colleague, Neil Callan, who's got, God, he's got his hunger going this this season, hasn't he? He's always been a bit that way, um, Neil. Always hungry and wouldn't give you an inch. And but he's riding very well, you know. And he rang for the ride, and I suggest take him on. And it, so it, worked it, it worked out beautifully. Now, I noticed afterwards you had some quite bold plans. It, would, you, would you really fancy a trip to Melbourne if it, if it, if it presented itself? Do you, think he could, do you think he could cope with that? I don't know. Since I mentioned that, Nick, of course, a few people are saying, well, will he be able to trot up all right? And I'm, I'm not so sure they'd allow him run over there, to be honest. So, um... Yeah, we'd probably have to knock that one on the head. What well, even the, even even though he runs in these two mile races, like he's you know he takes them so well, he takes his racing well, and he runs quite regularly. You just you just don't think he'd have that kind of inherent, I don't know, perfect soundness for a for a Melbourne Cup well, scan. We were we were all warned before Ascot that every horse would be trotted up. So beforehand, uh, I took videos and X rays of the horse and sent them with him. You know and said this is the way he always is and there's the x-rays he's clean but this is the way he trots mm. but I know Huey Morrison had quite a lot of trouble with the same kind of scenario clean x-rays but they wouldn't let him run mm. and it's a long way to go not to run okay but, are you, but, but you, wouldn't get in anyway but it's it, yeah so it's it's prob- probably a conversation for for another day but um, is the is the e-ball the logical next step well the I'm guided by weather with this horse all the time. Is why 
the main reason we ran in Newcastle because we said we might not get another chance for a while and the all weather is safe let's take our chance um, but he'll go to Goodwood if the ground is good mm-hmm. it's an odd 105 you know he'll still get in that he's won it before and we let him take his chance in that first and then go to the Ebor just he, three weeks after that race in Goodwood you know he, he must be a great horse to have around He's grand every day. He's as fresh as paint, and goes out in the field and has a laugh. And uh, he's a pleasure to be around now. All right. Well, earlier on in the show, I was talking about the matchup in the Coral Eclipse between Emily Upjohn and Aidan O'Brien, seeming to suggest that Paddington was heading that way. So it's a cracker just with that pair, and then you add some more into the mix, including Anne Mart, who won a Group One in France last time, and is running in the Shadwell Silks for Shaker Hissa and Owen Burrows. Um, as did, of course, um, Minzal, their very good sprinter from last year. What unites those two, apart from the owner and the trainer, also the breeder, Derek Veach, who is uh, who is with me now. Uh, Derek, this is this is an uncanny habit of just churning out Group One winner after Group One winner after Group One winner. I think we've been very lucky this last time. I don't know that we've been very lucky at getting Group One horses. They're very very hard to come by. Um, so we're blessed that we have two and blessed that they happen to be with Owen Burroughs and they happen to be with Shadwell, which is amazing coincidence. Um, and that is it, a pure, a pure coincidence. They should both have ended up in the same, in the same hands. Yes, yes. Uh, we sold the two folds in the fold sales and tats. Um, one went to Angus Gold directly and stayed with Owen uh, from the beginning and the other one went via Kieran Conroy's uh, Glenville stud and ended up with Angus uh, sending it to Owen eventually after the yearling sales. So, yeah, uh, it's coincidence. And it's funny, isn't it? Anne Mart's by Ortard. And I remember the first yearling sale I think I went to when, when Ortard had yearlings. Every, they, people were all raving about them. And, and Anne Mart is much, much the best of his uh, 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 of his progeny. And he's now standing for, for not much at all. It's a, it's a funny old world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, for us, it was always about the genetic cross. And... Uh, we liked that cross. It's something we tried with the mayor before in different ways and it had worked out very well. And um, we followed that theme with the mayor now this year. She's a palace peer, fully folded foot, and she's in fold to see the stars. So it's a similar sort of cross going back that way. Um, it seems to work with that particular mayor. What, Hopefully it will. What are, the, what, are the, what are the genetic specifics there that you were tapping into? Well, um, we wanted that green desert line because we started off, we bred a horse called Moss Vale and we mm. sent the mare on a breeding right to him and um, he produced a horse called um, Gin something or other, I've forgotten the name of it now, but um, it got a little bit of stakes um, um, placing in Italy. So we used that again um, in a similar way, using Danzig on the mare again, and we used Hatif, and they were two very cheap covers, and they produced two very good horses because Syntax turned out to be a very good uh, group horse in America, which got the mare going, and then we started to step her up a little bit year after year when we could afford to after that, yeah. Yeah, and shes I was looking back through her old pedigree, and it's an old, an old, old Sheikh Mohammed uh, sort of... Um, Dali pedigree with horses that raced in France way back when, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, I suppose it's probably not in a Godolphin modern sort of cage now, but 
Look, it's a good solid, um, plenty of winners, plenty of black type there, a good solid page, deep, and that's what I liked about the mare and bred her that way. So we started off hoping to try and breed winners out of her and we ended up that she got a bit of black type with her first two folds and her mm. her fold averages are rated well over the 90s there for six folds. So she's a decent mare, you know, above average mare. About above average she is, and she now has a group one winner and a possible winner of the Eclipse at the at the weekend as well. Now, I, I read I read earlier in the year that you were having a bit of a, a scale down. You were sort of rationalising, concentrating your interest a little bit. How's, how's that project going? Well... Yeah, we, we sponsored Friday night in um, Newmarket, the whole card there. And that all started way back in December time when we had an idea that we'd launch the sale of the farm now in July. But that changed because my daughter got married in December and she came back after her honeymoon there in February and said she had an interest in coming back into the farm, <laughs> which up until now we would no interest, you know, from any of the kids. So... Uh, so we've had a rethink, but only for a year. We're going to—they're um, going to come back in December. Her and her husband are coming back to us in December, and we're going to give it a year, and we're going to see how it all works out. And if it's coming together, then uh, we'll have a transition rather than a seal. I think. Yeah. yeah. A- a- any more Group One winners, you'll have all the kids coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they've all good jobs now, and I don't know that I'd be I'd feel very bad if it was trying to drag them out of their good careers. But at the end of the day, it's their choice, and Steffi is a vet, so it's maybe a little easier for her to come in and take over, do some of the veterinary work, which I've been doing here. And um, John, her husband's involved in the bloodstock industry, so make a lot of sense um, if we can all. Um, get a living out of it going forward and they're happy uh, it'd be great because we can take things a bit easier i can do a bit more fishing and they can do a bit more work and myself and my wife will start to enjoy what we planned really from now on to take things a lot easier it, it sounds perfect Derry. thanks so much for your time i wish you all the best all right. on on saturday may the uh, may the the fruitful journey continue oh uh, yeah yeah it'd be magic if he turns up yeah it'd be great Derek beach there breeder of minzal and now um uh, Anne Mart, who might well run in the Coral Eclipse at the weekend. Uh, Jane, we heard from Aidan earlier on about Paddington. Your thoughts on him going to, to Sandown Saturday? It's very interesting, always very interesting when uh, a top three-year-old meets older horses and he looked good at the Curra when he won the Irish Guineas. He looked an awful lot better when he won St. James's Palace taking the scalp of Chaldean and now up to 10 furlongs. He's out of a manger mare from a lovely Pantra Celeb Wildenstein family. He should stay that trip, no problem. Um, but he'll have a formidable opponent in the mare. She looked awesome um, at Epsom and I'm not surprised to see William Buick partnering her in a piece of work pre-race because um, she's not entirely the most straightforward horse, I'd imagine. So getting to know her is probably not a bad thing. Uh, throw in the possibility of Amnat. Could we see Desert Crown there? Could we see the Foxes, Nick? It's a, it's a, it's a field that's yet to really take shape. I knew I shouldn't have taken a holiday next weekend. Jane has something for you for today. Off to Windsor at 5.45. Acer and Band of Joy went head-to-head over course and distance last time. Band of Joy finishing second ahead of Clive Cox's filly. I have a funny feeling that Acer might just turn that form around after getting inconvenienced at an early stage last time. Hopefully Ross Orion, the inform Ross Orion, can navigate a clear path for Acer to turn the form around and break her maiden in the 5.45 at Windsor. Jane, thank you so much. We'll be back to do it all over again tomorrow. That was Monday, July the 3rd. Bye for now.
You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.